Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about how frequent daydreaming may be killing your mood, why ancient Greek temples were purposely built on fault lines, and the invisible forces that make you do the things you do with author Bill Sullivan. Let's satisfy some curiosity. When was the last time your mind wandered? Wait a minute. You totally stopped listening after the let's satisfy some curiosity, didn't you? Pay attention now. I'm just kidding. There's no worries. It's understandable when your mind wanders. According to research, the average person spends nearly half their waking hours daydreaming. And that would be just a fun bit of trivia if it wasn't for this next bit. All that daydreaming actually makes us unhappy. Now, by daydreaming, I don't just mean those romantic moments sitting at your desk thinking of a loved one or a far-off place. Harvard psychologists count any time your mind wanders as daydreaming, whether that's thinking about the past or the future or anything unrelated to what you're doing in the moment. To learn more about daydreaming's effects, they sent text messages to iPhone users multiple times a day. These texts nudged them to visit an online survey to report how happy they were feeling and describe what they were doing at exactly that moment. They also recorded whether they were thinking about that activity or about something else, and whether that thought was pleasant or neutral or unpleasant. The researchers were like, what you thinking about? And the, particip- <laughs> and the participants were like, oh, research stuff. I don't know, iPhone stuff. That's, that's exactly right, Ashley. <laughs> Anyway, after gathering 250,000 data points, the researchers found that the participants' minds wandered 46.9% of the time they spent awake. It also indicated that when someone's mind was somewhere else, they were more likely to report being unhappy. In fact, the researchers found that how often someone's mind wanders is a really good predictor of their happiness. And daydreaming wasn't just an immediate mood killer. A wandering mind in the morning was shown to dampen a subject's mood later in the day, too. Even when doing something generally considered unpleasant, like cleaning, daydreaming still made participants grumpier. Overall, the research is a good argument for training your brain to focus. Maybe all those philosophies that say to live in the moment are onto something. Greece is one of the most earthquake-prone countries in Europe. So it makes sense that ancient Greece dealt with its share of quakes. What doesn't make sense is how many ancient Greek temples are built on fault lines. There are a lot of them. Turns out they were put there on purpose, and you'll never believe the reason. If you erected a building that was destroyed by an earthquake, you'd probably think twice about putting a new building up in its spot. Not the ancient Greeks. They built and rebuilt temples in the same spot, regardless of how often they were destroyed. At first, researchers marveled at the builders' bad luck. But then they realized this was deliberate. One of the best-known examples of a temple built over a fault line is at Delphi, where Greece's most important people traveled to seek guidance from the oracle. Like in one famous prophecy, the oracle at Delphi told the mad Roman emperor Nero to beware the 73rd year. Nero was relieved, believing he was basically death-proof before he reached 73 years old. Except that he ended up being killed in a rebellion led by 73-year-old Galba. The oracle was mysterious that way. 
the hot springs below the temple were a major part of the lore that surrounded Delphi. There were also reports of mysterious vapors that rose from the ground. In 2001, researchers found evidence of these vapors, as well as their hallucinogenic properties. Ethylene would have been among those gases, and it would have created a disembodied feeling, a sense of euphoria, and a trance-like state. Delphi wasn't the only temple like this, either. Researchers have discovered that the sites of several other temples overlap with heavy seismic activity. The temples must have seemed unworldly with vapors, not to mention the sense of euphoria they induced. So now we know why the oracles risked life and limb by building their temples on earthquake zones. To encourage having visions and prophecies, it helped to get a little high. And you don't just mean altitude, do you? Oh, no, I do not. <laughs> why do people do the things they do? You know, why do you like the people you like? Why do you vote the way you do? What possessed you to do that super embarrassing thing you knew was a mistake? We're constantly seeking answers to these fundamental human questions, and science is getting closer to the answers. And, according to today's guest, the kinds of food we enjoy, the people we love, the emotions we feel, and the beliefs we hold may all be influenced by the DNA in our cells, the microbes in our bodies, and the environment around us. All invisible stuff. Bill Sullivan is a professor of pharmacology and toxicology at Indiana University School of Medicine. Earlier this year, he released Pleased to Meet Me, Genes, Germs, and the Curious Forces that Make Us Who We Are. And in the book, he mixes cutting-edge research and relatable humor to shed light on who we really are and how we might become our best selves. In our conversation, he gave us a pretty unsettling overview of all the biological forces that shape who we are. But there's a happy ending, I promise. There's clearly microbes that can influence our behavior, some in a sinister way like toxoplasma and some in a more symbiotic way like some of our microbes. But then there's these other factors like genetics. You know, most people know that genes control their physical traits, their eye color, whether their hair is curly, things like that. But genes also have far-reaching effects into our personality and behavior in ways that we've never really imagined before. So that's another hidden force in the body that uh, I go into detail in the book. And then our brain, which usually most people like to think we're in full control because we have this brain that could potentially override influences from our genes or maybe even microbes. But even that's a little bit of an overinterpretation because our brain is doing a lot of weird things under the hood at the subconscious level that we're not aware of until after they happen. So we explain some of these experiments that lead us to this conclusion in the book. But there's a lot of like subliminal things that can affect your behavior in ways that you're not even conscious of. You put all of that together, and if you imagine like your, your free will and agency to be this huge circle, okay, and then by the, by the time you're done reading this book, you find that it has contracted down to a little dot. <laughs> wow. So it's a major takeaway of this book that we're all just basically working off of a roll of the dice and we just should have more empathy for other people. Well, that that is definitely one of the takeaways, but I don't want to uh, send the message that, you know, we're just a bunch of meat robots. <laughs> so that's an analogy that I, I think I alluded to in the book. And the last chapter actually is 
called Meet Your Future. And it's how we can utilize all this rather unsettling information for good. You know, the knowledge is power. And yes, it might be a little unsettling to realize that there's microbes in our gut, perhaps a parasite in our head, or genes that we're born with that can affect our personality and behavior in very profound ways that we don't seem to have too much ability to do anything about it. But Cody, you hit the nail on the head in that what I want this information to be used for is to engender empathy in people who are different than you. You know, people who might struggle with their weight, who might struggle with addiction, or may even struggle with violence. We need to understand the biological basis of that behavior. It doesn't come out of thin air. It's not produced by any kind of supernatural force. It is biologically based. And if we can get into the lab, roll up our sleeves, and figure out the mechanics of why people do the things they do, then we can come up with treatments. And we've been seeing great examples of this in novel ways to battle addiction and new ways to treat depression. Once we understand the molecular players involved, then we're in position to do something about this. That was Bill Sullivan, author of Pleased to Meet Me, Genes, Germs, and the Curious Forces that Make Us Who We Are. You can find a link to pick it up in today's show notes, and he'll be back tomorrow to talk about the surprising invisible forces that influence aggression. All right, well, let's go over what we learned today, starting with the fact that we daydream for about half of our waking hours. Half. And it's not good. When our minds are somewhere else, we're more likely to be unhappy. So instead, maybe we should all concentrate on being mindful and living in the moment. You know, try some meditation. I'm really looking forward to watching my kid grow up because like kids, they don't think in abstractions. They're not thinking like, what do I have to do tomorrow? What happened yesterday? What are my parents doing? It's just like, dude, there's some grass. Oh, look, there's a tree. <laughs> it's like kids are like on acid basically all the time. <laughs> I think that's great. I'm so excited for you. And I can't <laughs> wait to hear all of the kids stories. Thanks. I hope it helps me live in the moment a little bit more too because that. I don't know if it's just getting older or like what the deal is, but it's really hard for me to be present. So I'm going to be exploring some meditation techniques. I get it. We also learned that ancient Greek temples may have been built on fault lines on purpose in order to let the oracles inhale hallucinogenic vapors that help them have visions. Good times. You know, it's weird. I've been to the Oracle at Delphi, but my most vivid memory is stopping by a little kind of like a natural fountain on the path on the way up this hill. And it was like, the, it was the water, right? Like it was the, the, from the hot spring, it was the natural water. And I filled a water bottle with it. And then I just kept it for like five years. And I don't know why I did that. And I just dumped it out later. It's very stupid, but I, I don't know why the, the water stuck with me. And uh, I cannot, I like, I have no visual recollection of what the actual Oracle looked like. Super weird. You know, I just went to Yellowstone and they've got tons of hot springs. And boy, those vapors are stinky. Like <laughs> those temples must have smelled like sulfur, which maybe was just part of the whole atmosphere. I don't know. Yeah, really sets, uh, really sets the mood. And we learned that genes don't just control your physical traits. They also strongly influence your personality and your behavior. If researchers can figure out the invisible forces behind why people do what they do, then it could help us come up with new ways to treat conditions like addiction and depression. Very cool. 
Very cool indeed. And definitely come back tomorrow for the second half of our interview. More very interesting stuff. Today's stories were written by Rachel Birchie and Ruben Westmas and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. Curiosity Daily is produced and edited by Cody Goff. Try not to daydream too much, but even if you do, that's okay. You can still join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.